Chapter 8 Anne's Bringing Up is Begun For reasons best known to herself, Marilla did not tell Anne that she was to stay at Green Gables until the next afternoon. During the forenoon she kept the child busy with various tasks and watched over her with a keen eye while she did them. By noon she had concluded that Anne was smart and obedient, willing to work and quick to learn. Her most serious shortcoming seemed to be a tendency to fall into daydreams in the middle of a task and forget all about it until such a time as she was sharply recalled to earth by a reprimand or a catastrophe. When Anne had finished washing the dinner dishes, she suddenly confronted Marilla with the air and expression of one desperately determined to learn the worst. Her thin little body trembled from head to foot, her face flushed, and her eyes dilated until they were almost black. She clasped her hands tightly and said in an imploring voice, Oh, please, Miss Cuthbert, won't you tell me if you are going to send me away or not? I've tried to be patient all the morning, but I really feel that I cannot bear not knowing any longer. It's a dreadful feeling. Please tell me. You haven't scalded the dishcloth in clean hot water as I told you to, said Marilla immovably. Just go and do it before you ask any more questions, Anne. Anne went and attended to the dishcloth. Then she returned to Marilla and fastened imploring eyes on the latter's face. Well, said Marilla, unable to find any excuse for deferring her explanation longer, I suppose I might as well tell you. Matthew and I have decided to keep you. That is, if you will try to be a good little girl and show yourself grateful. Why, child, whatever is the matter? I'm crying, said Anne in a tone of bewilderment. I can't think why. I'm as glad as glad can be. Oh, glad doesn't seem the right word at all. I was glad about the white way and the cherry blossoms, but this... Oh, it's something more than glad. I'm so happy. I'll try to be so good. It will be uphill work, I expect, for Mrs. Thomas often told me I was desperately wicked. However, I'll do my very best. But can you tell me why I'm crying? I suppose it's because you're all excited and worked up, said Marilla disapprovingly. Sit down on that chair and try to calm yourself. I'm afraid you both cry and laugh far too easily. Yes, you can stay here, and we will try to do right by you. You must go to school. "'but it's only a fortnight till vacation, "'so it isn't worth while for you to start "'before it opens again in September.' "'What am I to call you?' asked Anne. "'Shall I always say Miss Cuthbert? "'Can I call you Aunt Marilla?' "'No, you'll call me just plain Marilla. "'I'm not used to being called Miss Cuthbert, "'and it would make me nervous.' "'It sounds awfully disrespectful to say just Marilla,' "'protested Anne.' I guess there will be nothing disrespectful in it if you're careful to speak respectfully. Everybody, young and old, in Avonlea calls me Marilla, except the minister. He says Miss Cuthbert, when he thinks of it. I'd love to call you Aunt Marilla, said Anne wistfully. I've never had an aunt or any relation at all, not even a grandmother. It would make me feel as if I really belonged to you. Can't I call you Aunt Marilla? No, I'm not your aunt, and I don't believe in calling people names that don't belong to them. But we could imagine you were my aunt. 
I couldn't, said Marilla grimly. Do you never imagine things different from what they really are? asked Anne, wide-eyed. No. Oh, Anne drew in a long breath. Oh, Miss Marilla, how much you miss. I don't believe in imagining things different from what they really are, retorted Marilla. When the Lord puts us in certain circumstances, he doesn't mean for us to imagine them away. And that reminds me, go into the sitting room, Anne. Be sure your feet are clean and don't let any flies in. And bring me out the illustrated card that's on the mantelpiece. The Lord's Prayer is on it, and you'll devote your spare time this afternoon to learning it off by heart. There's to be no more of such praying as I heard last night. I suppose I was very awkward, said Anne apologetically. But then you see, I've never had any practice. You couldn't really expect a person to pray very well the first time she tried, could you? I thought out a splendid prayer after I went to bed, just as I promised you I would. It wasn't nearly as long as a minister's, and so poetical. But would you believe it? I couldn't remember one word when I woke up this morning, and I'm afraid I'll never be able to think out another one as good. Somehow things never are so good when they're thought out a second time. Have you ever noticed that? Here is something for you to notice, Anne, when I tell you to do a thing I want you to obey me at once, and not stand stock still and discourse about it. Just you go and do as I bid you. Anne promptly departed for the sitting room across the hall. She failed to return. After waiting ten minutes, Marilla laid down her knitting and marched after her with a grim expression. She found Anne standing motionless before a picture hanging on the wall between the two windows, with her hands clasped behind her, her face uplifted, and her eyes a star with dreams. The white and green light, strained through apple trees and clustering vines outside, fell over the rapt little figure with a half-unearthly radiance, 